We are in the season of Advent, and we have been talking about all the things that change when Jesus comes. A few weeks ago, Grayson and Patrick shared about when Gabriel came to Mary and how then he left. The next scripture we have is Luke 1, 39 through 44. In a summary of this section, Mary runs down a hill, enters into the friend of a home, Elizabeth, and then Elizabeth is pregnant as well. And the baby inside of Elizabeth is excited too. The Holy Spirit comes in, enters into the scene, and then Elizabeth speaks truth over her friend Mary, humbly telling her, why her? And she says in Luke 1, 45, blessed is she who has believed what the Lord has said to her will be accomplished. After hearing this truth, these are the next words we have recorded, written about what Mary said. And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has, fulfilled, he has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. Thank you, Sadie. Enter into this story with Mary. You've just received visitation from an angel and then from the Holy Spirit. And she knew about this spirit. The Jews had a well-developed concept of the Holy Spirit, although not mentioned much in the Old Testament. They knew the spirit is the one that hovered over the chaos of the earth in Genesis chapter 1. When we say Holy Spirit, it's a shame that we don't really get a unified picture in our mind. They did, because the Holy Spirit shows up very, very early, Genesis 1. What does he do? Well, when all is darkest, all is chaos all are storms, then the angel comes, then the Holy Spirit comes. This Holy Spirit comes when, they're, when we're without purpose, we're without hope, we can't see, we are tossed by the waves, and he brings order and light, just as he did in Genesis 1. So when Mary heard, the Holy Spirit has come, the Holy Spirit has placed this in you, she would have had a much more dramatic reaction than we do because they really understood what his job was. But here's the thing. He places the child within her, and then he leaves. What would be our reaction to the good news, we call it? We saw it's not always good for Mary, but news for all of us is good. But also to the leaving. I think of Peter, who was freed from prison by an angel. I've always found that humorous and Perhaps that's just me, but he's in prison, he's under a death sentence, he's in chains. An angel comes, wakes him up, because Peter's not worried, gets the chains off of him, opens the door, gets him outside the jail, and then goes away. Peter is now an escaped fugitive, long, far away from where anything would be that we could call safe, and he's on his own. Now, we know God never truly leaves us, but it feels that way. 
And now Peter has to work his way through this city alone. Once we know what God wants us to do, what do we do when it looks like, when it feels like the help of heaven has walked away from us, given us the assignment, then walked away, turned around, and just watched us? Do we despair? Are we like a toddler in the mall that just kind of falls down and says, I'm not moving unless you carry me? I've done that to God. Confession time, if I'd been Mary, I would have been terrified. I'm not really sure what my reaction would have been, but I can guarantee you it would not have been hers. She heard this dramatic news, and the Holy Spirit, that great being that hovered over the storm, is now come to you. And her reaction is that she broke out in song. In song. A very intelligent, well-put-together song. I cannot help but think of another Mary in Hebrew, Miriam, Aaron's sister. After the Jews escaped Pharaoh's army, she, she broke out in song. Exodus 15, 20 and 21. Then Miriam, the prophetess, Aaron's sister, took a tambourine in her hand, and all the women followed her with tambourines and dancing. Miriam sang to them, Sing to the Lord, for he is highly exalted. The horse and its rider he is hurled into the sea. There's a lot of similarities here between Miriam's song and Mary's song in Luke 1. There's also a lot of similarities between Mary's prayer and Hannah's prayer in 1 Samuel. We know that she's young, but this does not mean that she's uneducated. She knows her scripture. And not only does she know it, but it's at the forefront of her mind to the point where when she hears this news, she can't help but bring it to heart. I'm reminded of some of our students that are memorizing scripture, where it's not just in their minds, but it's in their heart. When a big thing happens, it could come up in your life when you have that scripture in your heart. Just like the way that Mary broke out into song. Mary breaks into song. She has received this as the truth, and the coming of Jesus changes her song, her rhythm, and her beat. The theme of this morning is that Advent changes everything, and it changes our song, so much so to the point where sometimes we just can't help but sing. My soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God. My Savior, my soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God. He has been mindful of his servant. He has been mindful of me. I will be blessed forever, forever. I will be blessed by the Lord. My soul magnifies the love My spirit rejoices in God. My Savior, my soul magnifies the The song that Mary sings starts with her glorifying the Lord, with her soul. And then she says that her spirit 
rejoices in God, soul and spirit. This isn't the first time that we read about these things in scripture. There's definitely a correlation to what we've already heard. Spirit and soul. When we take the discipline to invite our spirit and our soul to more moments with the Lord, how can our song not be directed towards him? Let's not rush past something here. Mary thanks God for the calling, and that's, that's huge. But also, in her song, she rejoices for the mercy shown to the people of earth. Don't rush past that. God had stepped back a bit. I'm going to step slightly away from the notes here and, and say you can as well, because first of all, Philip dodged rocks. Everybody we say, you have three minutes, takes 20. He took three. Well done. And so we, we, were, we were throwing points out of the sermon right and left, put them in. Uh, we, they can't go anywhere. Uh, we've, we've locked the doors. Um, but I want to say thank you. Now, back to this. She prays for mercy. Understand where the people are. They have not had a prophet from God or a writer from God to write a Bible book for over 400 years. Now, that's very, very difficult for American minds to get around. I remember once when we were living in Scotland over a shop in the village of Dundonald, and Cammie's parents called us from Denver, where they lived, and they were so excited because there was going to be the 175th anniversary of Denver and how old that was. And I, I'm thinking, my apartment's older than that. And it was by quite a bit. And I could look across the street and see a castle that was built uh, around 1300 going, they don't know what old is. So let's put it this way. Mary is asking for mercy for people that have not heard from God, if they were you, since about two or three years before the Mayflower sailed. I've heard nothing. 400 years. She says, send them mercy. Jesus then comes, but it's a different song. Some of the Psalms, you may have noticed, are laments, and others of them are called imprecatory, which means they, they are calling God down with fire and thunder and sword and blood. That's their song. Jesus, however, comes not as a warrior, but as a baby. And that changed the song. It was a surprise to everybody. It even started with the song, the angels sang on the night in chorus. This was an act of mercy to us. She asked for mercy, and what does God give us? Mercy. A baby, peace, a song. And it was an act of divine mercy, not only to all of us as a big blob, but also to the young girls that were overlooked by their society. God did not overlook them. In Hannah's song in 1 Samuel, she dared ask God for the poor to be raised up to eat with the rich people one day. Mary takes a different role here, and she's praying, thanking God that he's lessening the rich and the powerful. Jesus coming to earth completely shifts the power and the balance in this universe. The song of our life completely shifts when we know Jesus. And the more we get to know him, our song continues to change. And sometimes we get off rhythm or off beat, but then we have those Jesus changes my song moments. There might be someone in your life or maybe multiple people who are kind of a 
making your tune not right, maybe dampening the tone of the song. Again, this could be one person, it could be a lot, and you're like, oh, that song just got really depressing when I'm around you. But when I think about inner kingdom relationships, inner kingdom relationships must be saturated with grace. Last week, we sang, tune thy heart to sing thy grace. If our hearts are being tuned to sing grace, then those around us that might be contributing a negative tone, sing them a song of grace. I'd like to make a confession. I write, uh, I don't write rather very often. I used to write, but I play uh, guitar and a few stringed instruments. I can't keep time. I can't. People have listened before and thought, you know, that was really interesting how you varied the time. And I'm thinking, I did? Okay. That's right. Whenever I sit with somebody new to play with them, I always warn them. I say, you need to know I'm a master of rhythms. I can use six in a song. I need help to stay in rhythm. It's it's just, I, I have never in my life ended a song at the same tempo that I started it. I need help. There recently... Uh, Jared Myers, who plays here for us frequently, a percussionist, and I got to play behind Misha as she sang at the skirmer horn. And before we went in, I kept telling Jared, and he already knew this, but I always tell him, you got to keep me on track. You, I, I'm, I'm, and he will look at me, and he'll bang that drum, sometimes even, you know, you know, fist at me, but he'll bang that thing just to get me on track. Well, I'd never played the skirmer horn before and probably won't again, but um, as I was there, I was thinking... On twice in a song, I was thinking, something's not right. And I looked over at him and realized the acoustics were so good, I was playing the echo. I had gone off again. And he looked at me with all the Christian hatred he could summon. (laughs) But here's the thing. I knew when it didn't feel right to look back at the guy that knew how to keep the rhythm so I'd get back on track. In my life, I get off rhythm spiritually. I get off rhythm emotionally. The only way I have found to get back on rhythm is to look at Christ. And Christ doesn't just change the rhythm of our song. He changes the direction and even purpose of singing. I think of Psalm 13, starting out in lament, How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? But then there's a turn that says, I will sing at the top of my lungs, I will sing of your unfailing love. This is a change in song that is the direct result from a decision being made. The psalmist and Mary both were a little bit in the dark, not knowing exactly what's going to come next, but they made the decision to change their song for Jesus, celebrating him, and that changed everything. Growing up, I had a close friend, her name is Haley, And she, we went through kindergarten through 12th grade together. And she's the type of person that's always singing. And she had a good voice, so it wasn't annoying. It was annoying to some people sometimes, but like, you know, she didn't care. She was humming or singing. Like she's standing at her locker and just, like Cinderella type deal, just always in song. And it's really hard to be singing and not be joyful. She was always so joyful. And some of you know her story. A few years back, her husband got in a really bad accident that led to a terrible brain injury that shifted the course of their life forever. But her song hasn't stopped. The students got to meet her at church camp. She's joyful. And she's in a life situation that I can't fathom, 
And of course, there's mourning in that song sometimes, but her song is directed towards Jesus. She offers this beautiful sacrifice of praise, even in the midst of putting food into her husband's feeding tube at the age of 24. Her song doesn't stop. I know that we're not all literally going to break out into song and dance all the time, like we're all in this together, like we're not going to break out into high school musical constantly, and I under, some of you might, and I respect it and I love it. You're, you're not all going to do that, and that's okay, but I'm sure there's even moments that that high school musical cast didn't want to go to practice. We have the opportunity to offer a sacrifice of praise, and you don't have to literally be singing, but is your heart tuned in? You know, I, I don't listen to musicals because I found out that they're unreliable. Uh, I lived in Detroit for 10 years, and I found out the gangs don't really, you know, do this and do a little dance before they... Um, I thought, we'll have a heads up. If you hear them snapping and doing that dance thing, then we'll get back in the car. No, no warning at all. Anyway, uh, your, your song... I, I've been impressed with people like Haley all my life, and, and I've said some stupid things to people like her. I've not said this to her. I remember talking to one mother that was facing a very similar issue with a child. And I looked at her and I said, this is very stupid. I said, I don't know if I could handle that. And I was trying to compliment her. She looked at me and she said, you don't get a choice. Wow. What do you do when God has put you in a certain situation? Like Mary, will you still sing the song? Some people say, well, I can only sing when I'm happy. Don't do that. Don't be that person. Because happiness, it's, it's easy to remember this if you just look at the root of happiness, depends upon happenstance or happening. You are happy because of what is happening. They're all the same root words in Old English. You have, because something in front of you pleases you, you have now responded in pleasure. We are not called to be happy. We are called to be joyful. Joy is different. Joy is a decision and an act of faith, Mary, the mother of Jesus, responded in joy. She made a decision to join God in his mission, to say yes to God, to trust God in his timing, his provision, even though it looked like he was stepping away. Even though we would only get little drive-by pictures of Jesus a couple of times in his youth, she still celebrated God's work in her life and in the world. She, it wasn't all about Mary. Did you notice that about the song, The Magnificat is what we call it? It wasn't about her. It was about all of us. She chose to join God's song. Singing is worship. God wants us to sing. It's always been a part of the life of people of God. We sing when we're troubled. Many of, our, many of the best songs, in my opinion, ever written were written and sung by those who were enslaved, and yet their hope was amazing, and they responded in song to the point where it shames me and makes me realize I need to worship more in song. When we're troubled, when we're happy, unsure, afraid, excited, or even uncertain or certain, we are to sing. In fact, among the Jews, to refuse to sing was a great sin. So much so, I've always found it touching that when they were in captivity they hung their their harps and their psalters up in the trees so that the wind would make the song when their hearts were too broken to make it themselves 
And they even wrote a song to God about why they couldn't sing with their hearts broken. Singing just bubbled out of them every time. The Bible Jesus read was full of psalms, songs. We don't wait to sing until we feel like it. We sing because we believe in him and we trust him. The more we know Jesus, the more that our song shifts and changes to sound like him. I think of tuning a guitar. Um, you have a tuner that you can put on the side of the guitar to tune it. A lot of you are like, yes, we know, but for those of us that aren't as musically inclined, you also can like have an app on your phone, right? Where I've seen some of you do this in the youth room where like you pull up the tuning app and you can make it tuned like that. Or I can say, hey Patrick, if you tune by ear, does this sound right? Is my guitar in tune? Is our song in tune with Jesus? Are we using a tuner? Are we using an app on our phone to check in and see? What, what are we pulling up in front of our face to say, see the screen? Does this align with the song of Jesus? Are we asking a wise counsel, hello mentor, does this song sound right? Am I tuned in to the song of Jesus? Or am I singing the world song? It's so easy to get caught up singing the world song when that's what we're tuning our chords to. That's, that's what I feel we often fall into. When we hear fear and panic from our news media and then we join that song, don't join that song. It's, it, that's not our song. Here at Fourth Avenue, we are a little different, and I'm aware of that. I used to preach, however, a song of obligation, a song of law, and how God wanted precision obedience, precision action from all of us. And if we messed up that precision, my song said you were lost. But the more I came to know Jesus, the more that song changed. Now I preach love. Now my songs have changed from, from mourning to dancing. I can remember once in Michigan, we sang that song, You've Changed My Morning Into Dancing, and a couple of our visitors leapt out into the aisle and started dancing. We had not moved all that far at that church at this stage. A couple of our elders, you could tell there was, there was an orthodoxy thermometer by how red they would go up to here. But God bless them, they didn't stop them. Later on, a couple of them said, did you see that? And I said, yes. They said, why'd they do that? I said, because they didn't know we didn't mean our song. We were just saying it. They believed it. After a while, there was more dancing. Not for me, I'm British. Um, it never ends well. But now our song is love and acceptance and peace and freedom and joy and following Jesus. It's not, it's not without law. Our law is the law of love in Jesus Christ. My first guitar, and, and it's hard for a lot of folk to believe this, and, and I've told the story before and had people come up and say, Are you, is that real? I would invite you to talk to a musician. My first guitar was a 12-string guitar because I didn't know you should never do that. I, I did not know that you cannot fingerstyle it. It'll kill you. It's brutal. So I learned on a 12-string, and I did all that on a 12-string guitar. It was, I bought it. I'm the only owner it's ever had. It was made in December of uh, 1977, and I bought it just a, a few weeks after it was made. It was made by a master named Yari who died several years ago. I still have that guitar. It's what I learned on. It's what taught me about music. It's what I was playing when I first met Cammie and realized I'm going to move to Colorado uh, because if that's who's here, I want to be here. 
I've been told before that people that play guitars have an easier time getting girls and always say, I had a 12-string, I needed twice the help. <laughs> Regardless, it is so well-made and it ages. This is, if you don't know instruments, they're alive. Wooden instruments are alive. They react to what's around them. Uh, humidity, uh, different changes in climate, even light, they, they react. This has aged so well that whenever I'm up in my room playing one of the guitars or there's even a song on the television, I'll often walk over and place my hand just above the strings of that 12 string and I can feel the vibration. It's ready to sing whatever song is in the room. It begins to vibrate with whatever song is going on. That has taught me something. I want my heart to be that 12-string guitar. I want to vibrate with the song of God. I want God's song to change me to where I am always ready to join him in his song. When we choose for the rhythm of our day to be linked to the coming of Jesus into our lives, we can't help but experience the rescue. What does it look like to do what Mary did? Mary hears of Jesus coming and her song shifts to glorify the Lord. Mary's change in perspective is very similar to that that we sing in Psalm 13. A lament and then choosing, I will sing of your unfailing love. In a moment, we're gonna sing Psalm 13 and some of you know this story, but uh, the guy, not that wrote it, but the guy that put music to Psalm 13, uh, he came to camp a couple of years back. His name is Nathan Hale, and he and I grew up together. He was a really big baseball player, huge baseball player, um, left-handed pitcher, all about it. He was going to play in college. That was his world. And it got taken away from him through surgery. He had to have sh shoulder and elbow surgery. And that summer, when he was staring up at all the people going to baseball practice, he picked up a guitar. And that's the summer that he wrote Psalm 13, because in the midst of his pain, he still experienced that rescue, that decision and choice to sing of unfailing love. When we change from lament to a decision to glorify the Lord and to walk with him and to know him and to sing his song, it becomes a praise and worship moment even in our day-to-day -day life. When preparing for this lesson, um, a song by Switchfoot was brought to my attention that says, your love is a symphony all around me, running through me, all around us. This whole song thing isn't just about your individual song. This also includes the community of song that you're singing with, the beautiful harmony that can come when you are singing in community. I love the line that she uses that says, Love is a symphony. The song is a symphony. For it really is. We, we like our music, don't we? But have you noticed how music has changed? It used to be, uh, think of the ventures, those of you at a certain age. You could do a, just walk on up, guys. We're going to rearrange while I'm up here. Um, it used to be that you would have a one-line lead. Think of Bill Haley in the comments or something. It's one line. But it sounds better if you have two notes. It sounds better if there's a chord. A chord is two notes that play well together or more. Two note chords can sometimes be called power chords and I've always thought that was the oddest thing because it's more powerful if there are more notes. The more notes, 
that work together. They don't have to be the same note. Your song may not be my song. Your life may not be my life. But if we join our lives in praise to God, it becomes a symphony of praise to our Father. That changes. We are one alone. But when we join our song to the group, we gather with the bride of Christ, his church, and when we sing together the same song, I believe the world changes. We do that on earth as a reflection of what they're doing now in the heavenlies and what we'll do with them when we join them, singing the song of Moses and the Lamb. Revelation 15, 3 and 4. And sang the song of Moses, the servant of God, and the song of the Lamb. Great and marvelous are your deeds, Lord God Almighty. Just and true are your ways, King of the ages. Who will not fear you, O Lord, and bring glory to your name? For you alone are holy. All nations will come and worship before you, for your righteous acts have been revealed. The songs that we sing are that of Moses that Exodus tells us Miriam led after they crossed the Red Sea. The songs that we sing are the songs that Mary breaks into after hearing about the coming of Jesus. Because when he comes, everything changes and we can experience that rescue. The songs that we sing are the songs we sing together when we sing about his unfailing love. <laughs> 